Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copybusta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepypodsta, the Creepypasta podcast. Hello, welcome. I'm the host of the show. My name is Jeff, and you know from uh, the intro what the show is about. But just to clarify, because I boy, I love being verbose, and also it's part of the charm of the show that I do this rambling intro. Uh, here's how the basic idea of it goes. I don't like spooky stories, but I was feeling spooky one October in... Well, gosh, 2015, was it now? Yes. Uh, it was that long ago, and I said, I, um, I, I had this idea, what if I did a podcast where we reviewed creepypastas, and then thought, oh, I'll call it creepypodsta, and because I thought of that pun, I was, I had to make the show, and I guess I had to make 135 <laughs> episodes of the show <laughs> for some <laughs> reason, and that's where we are now in episode 135 of Creepypodsta, the Creepypasta podcast, that count does not include a couple extra episodes, and also you have to keep in mind that episode 70 uh, traveled back in time from its actual airing to uh, six months earlier, so it's out of order in the feed. And I've talked about that before, how I pulled a fun scam and nobody appreciated it but me, <laughs> but, you know, whatever. It confused me. Yeah, Sorry to interrupt your rambling. That's fine. The reaction in general was confusion. But anyway, what we do on this show is I have guests on and we talk about spooky stories from online. And I've talked about so many goddamn many of them at such length that now I sort of have this expertise about them. I know what to expect and how they're constructed. Um, it's sort of like how I read so many comic books for so long that I went and like tried to write a comic book script and pretty much nailed it on my first attempt. <laughs> Maybe not my first attempt. Like I, I wrote them for practice a while. Like I, I was in like a writing group online back in, oh God, maybe like 2010, 2011. I don't think it reached into 2012, but we wrote uh, scripts every every Friday on a theme, just like an eight-page fan script for a comic book. And that was really where I started, but then I did actually write a comic book that got made called Tenoshi Quest that you can still read at tenoshiquest.tumblr.com, and I think there's mm, about 30 pages of it, but... Uh, the artist got busy with personal life, and so we had to stop, and because I was not paying him to make the comic, that is reasonable that that happened. But uh, I would like to write comics for money, so if anybody out there is a comic book editor, I'm good at making them, so please select me to do so. What was I talking about? Oh, how uh, absorbing content lets you be an expert in it if you have an analytical mind. Please welcome my guests to the show so that we can talk about this story. That laugh you hear now and who interrupted me earlier is Nicholas Wood. 
Hello, that's me. I'm good at interrupting people. <laughs> and also joining me on the show uh, for the gazillionth time, but it's been a while, so <laughs> I had to remind him what the show was like, uh, and that's, <laughs> that happens on occasion. Please welcome Philip J. Corso. <laughs> Hello, I'm here for my annual appearance. <laughs> annual. <laughs> you were on like every third episode back when we got started. At the um, beginning, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we are talking about a story from the Library of Shadows, which is another one of Ooh. the spooky subreddits. Uh, it's It has fewer constraints than no sleep. Um, one of which is, I, I'm pretty sure you don't have to pretend that they're real like you do on no sleep. Um the yeah it's the it, it, one of the rules here is genre appropriate content of high quality focus on literary quality posts that are self-referential as reddit posts or rely heavily on suspension of disbelief are better suited for r slash no sleep so the story we are reading is of course literary in nature and is pretty much not in uh, the epistolary format of the no sleep stories. Mm -hmm. That is, it does not appear to be something that someone posted on Reddit as if it really happened to them. Uh, yeah. That is in keeping with Library of Shadows. This was posted. This post was posted on February fifteenth, twenty twelve. So this is quite Man, old. I didn't know Library of Shadows oh was around for that long. Uh, the next week's story is just from R slash Short Scary Stories, which is <laughs> you know of smaller <laughs> subreddit. <laughs> and also, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's very very true for for what that one is. Yeah, <laughs> short. Uh, Library of Shadows has 14,824 readers, which is a far cry from the, like, 12 million subscribers that No Sleep has. Even Short Scary Stories has 200, over 200,000 Redditors. So it's interesting how small Library of Shadows is, despite being the one where you can find the, uh, big scare quotes, good stories. Uh, now, <laughs> Nick, this was your selection, so please tell us, uh... And do try to be um, uh, quick about it. That was not mm -hmm. how I wanted to say. Uh, Succinct. Brevity is the soul of the recapping the story section of Creepypasta, <laughs> so please tell us about nine brief scenes from the end of the world. Yeah, it's a large story, and I do have four pages of notes, um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll run through these as fast as I can. Oh, this was um, on uh, Season 2, Episode 2 of the No Sleep Podcast. Um, uh, and yes, I, I also do have um, four, uh, around four pages of, of uh, notes my, myself here. Yeah, I certainly <laughs> Don't do. worry, I'm, Phil. I've I'm never once taken right a now. note. <laughs> I host the show, and I, I've never taken a note, and I'm always impressed when my <laughs> guests do. Yeah. I uh, I gotten too used to reading off of notes that I just can't do it anymore. So here we are. But this story is broken out into nine parts, as you would imagine, because the title's nine scenes from the end of the world. Um, the first part is kind of the uh, the beginning stages of the end of the world. We are with a group of SETI scientists who are listening to like a ten second alien message. And at first they're kind of amazed and then everyone's kind of like scared and silent and they all have like headaches. And 10 minutes later, one of the dudes that was listening to the message, he just starts vomiting everywhere and bleeding from the nose and all around just kind of goes crazy that he has to be chemically sedated. And 
uh, I guess before he's chemically sedated, he kills a woman with a steel stool. Um, yeah, I guess. And then, yeah, and then everyone in the room just kind of starts to feel weird, and then it it cuts right there. That's your first story from the end of the world. Mm-hmm. The second one, yeah, we jump to a character. I always thought it was interesting. Sometimes they name these characters, and sometimes they don't. Um, this time we're with a character named Tim, who's driving to work. And uh, he's just sort of, he's sitting there in his car and he hears a weird staticky like drone on the radio. So he turns it off and all the other cars around him start like, uh, I, I can't forget exactly what happens, but a car like pulls up and stops really abruptly. So he tries to like do that thing you do where you, you're stuck in traffic and you poke your head out a little bit. Um, and as he does that, he sees a woman in another car like staring at him smiling and she's cutting someone's fingers off with garden shears. And I think it's like her own. Of, Not sorry yeah, to interrupt, but I think she's uh-huh. cutting her own fingers she's off. She's cutting yeah. her own fingers off. That's why it's spooky. Got it. Come on, Nick. I listened to this <laughs> twice and I didn't even catch that she was cutting her own hands. Oh, There's geez, a lot of twice? It's like a half an hour long story. Why torture yourself? Well, one is at work and I was like doing a real thing, so I couldn't really pay attention. Right. Uh, so I was like, I better listen to this again because I missed a lot. Um, so he's in disbelief. He starts to get a headache and that's where we cut yet again. That's your second story. Strap in for some... This is kind of where things hit the fan. Because uh, now we're we're with some creepazoid... Uh, I guess you're led to believe that he's a creepazoid. He's kind of like wandering the street aimlessly. And um, when we first see him in the third part, um, he's just like staring at what's described as an attractive waitress. And uh, eventually it's revealed that he's like really rich. And 10 minutes ago, he was a a materialistic man. um, And now he's just kind of like an empty shell. And he feels a hum in his brain. And he's like, it, it causes him to, to not be able to think, and all he can think is that he needs to kill this woman in this restaurant, this waitress. And she notices him, and then his desire to kill her becomes stronger, and we cut again. Just when things get good, there's your third story. How are you feeling so far? Mm, uh, it's about to get um, upsetting. Uh, yeah. The the fourth story, I think, is far and away my least favorite one, uh, mainly because of how David Cummings of the No Sleep Podcast read the story, which yeah, uh, the passage of time I, being what it is, is whatever, but, you know. Uh, still, yeah, I have the, the same kind of... I didn't listen to did. the audio version, so I'm not sure what you guys are talking about. Uh, there. Well, you'll know as a voiceover artist, Phil, oh. that uh, there is a problem when uh, you are doing... Uh, yeah, I, when, I, I, I think maybe I can divine what you mean. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. When you, when you are doing do dialect. accent that is very specific to a certain, like... <laughs> But yeah, uh, yeah and it's Writing, not yours. Yeah, <laughs> and you're it's trying clear to intimate this... it without much experience. Exactly. It's. I think it's clear that the person mm-hmm. writing this story does not speak in that dialect. Uh, or yeah. uh, yeah, I think or it's abundantly that... clear. <laughs> yeah, and then that filtered also through like uh, a big dorky white guy also trying to imitate the <laughs> dialect because it's you're stuck between a rock and a hard place as an audiobook uh. reader. I think where if you don't do any kind of voice uh you're possibly doing a disservice to the author but if you do do a voice oh gosh (laughs) people real people have to listen to it with their human ears yeah yeah 
Anyway. Yeah, and to David's credit, the the way that this neighborhood this character lives in is not very well written. But again, the passage of time and all that. Um, it, 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 we'll just hop into it. So I need uh, to go feed part- my cat. I'm sorry, he's meowing. I will be right back while you do this uh, recap. Okay, <laughs> tell your cat hi. Um, Gideon. This time we're with a ten year old named Shyla. And she's at a she lives at a townhome complex, and she's just kind of sitting outside of her, um, out of her home. And we see a lot of uh, racially diverse characters in this neighborhood. It is described as being pretty worn down. It once was good, but now it is not. Um, all we're told about her is that she has like something bloody dripping in her hands, and um, she's just sort of staring at it. And she's covered in blood. There's, like, drying blood on her pants and all that stuff. There's flies buzzing around her. There's a uh, a teenage kid that comes up to her, tries to make fun of her and her mom um, based on their weight. And he notices that she's covered in blood, sees all the flies. Um, and he notices the thing in her hands. And he, he says, is that a doll? And she tells him that it is her baby sister she removed from her mom. Which, yeah. Is, uh, it started it's like there's a fun Chekhov's gun in horror stories where if you see a child holding something and you can't see what it is it will be revealed as something gross by the end of the scene oh um, absolutely like there's um, a, a moment I think it's the very end of the trailer for the Slenderman movie there's a girl and she has like some kind of ash or blood on her face and is has something cupped in her hands you can't see and like she's lifting it up and just before her hands come into frame so you can see what she's holding the camera cuts to black and it's like a really effective um bit of bit of tension i think yeah um it's probably a dead puppy yeah probably in this (laughs) uh at the end of this uh part four shyla lifts a paring knife and like starts stabbing this little fetus in her hands and then um, the kid turns to run, and she stabs him in the back. And that's the end of part four. Not how you feel. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just glad that that part of the story is over. Yeah, that's probably the worst part. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the worst of the nine brief scenes. <laughs> yeah, the rest is kind of psychologically weird, and we'll get there. With part five, we're with a, a lady named June. She's at home. Her husband, Harry, comes home, and... Um, he just like goes to the living room and stares at nothing. And eventually she asks him what's wrong. And he like runs over and grabs her and screams that he has fire ants in his head. And, uh, she tries to calm him down. So he goes upstairs and locks himself in his bedroom. Um, and for like the next three hours, she just hears like sirens outside going back and forth everywhere. And she hears random grunting and yelps from upstairs where the husband has locked himself um, she thinks he's having a nervous breakdown, so she tries calling out to him. And when he, when she does that, the room goes silent, and he starts like banging on the door and like I guess throwing his body against the walls. Um, so she tries to leave the house, and he comes running out of the bedroom chasing her. Um, she gets to her car. Harry comes out of the house naked and fully erect, as the story tells, for some reason. Yep. And he rams into the side of the car. Uh, she's locked the door. Don't worry. She ostensibly lives um she runs over and breaks his leg and uh drives off it's pretty much it right yeah i i thought i think i miss i misheard this one 
I thought, um, I thought that he got in a car and like chased her in a truck or something. Oh, uh, there was a car coming down the way. I, I, it it was, was just a different truck. Yeah, there was yeah, just another okay. truck driving down the road and it smashed into her as she pulled out oh, of yeah. the driveway. Yeah, okay, she ran so, over the husband and broke his leg. Yeah, she ran yeah. over Harry and then another truck hit her. Yeah. yeah. Um, I understand. And then we cut to part six, which we're now at. This one's really short. We cut to a nursing home, and there's uh, two staff members that have not gone insane. They've barricaded themselves in a room, and I guess some old people break down that barricade and drag them out. This is where I got really confused, so maybe I'll look at the story that I, I have that pulled up to, if I can find it. Um, I think they, they bite the staff members to death, and then do they turn into zombies? Uh, it just no, I don't seems, think. Yeah, it just seems like they... They're they, just killing each other in there. Yeah. It it says how some of the, the residents who are living in oh. the building, like the, the old people living in the building are like kind of like in their old, you know, in their infirm state, like hobbling around and yeah, kill, I, well, killing each other softly. <laughs> I, I understand how you would think that they were zombies because they were residents evil. Uh, <laughs> that was almost a joke. zombie dog. It was it was it was joke adjacent. Yeah, now, here's, here's it where took I got the confused. shape of a joke. What's what's that? Go on. Oh, um, there's the last sentence says finished with their unfortunate colleagues. The staff joined the psychotic elderly in their hunt. So that's where I was confused. I thought the staff that they had just eaten joined the psychotic elderly in their hunt. But I just I think they mean the staff who had killed the people who yes. came out of the right. who who uh who they had pulled out of the closet. Just that's other absolutely staff what it means. Yeah. Um, I just misheard <laughs> it. I'm here to give. I'm the clarity guy. I'm here. No, it's <laughs> this way. No, it's that way. Yeah, no problem. Next week you're gonna have a lot to clarify for me. So, um, <laughs> part seven. Yeah, there's we a lot of blank to... spaces in there. So. <laughs> a lot of gaps to fill. Um. Part seven, we're with two teenage siblings in an attic. They're uh, locked in there. They're watching a newscast on their phone as to what's going on outside, and their parents are just going buck wild downstairs looking for their kids. Um, we don't get a lot of detail from the newscast at this point, uh, and the kids kind of look out their window and see everyone going crazy out there as well. Uh, we go through a flashback where like their parents are coming home. There's a huge dent in their van. Um which whatever they they're really quiet in the attic uh hoping their parents don't find them after having come home and their parents call out to them really sweetly um asking the kids to come out while calling them pig shit fucking fucks which is really creative writing mm-hmm. um <laughs> the the dude on the newscast is now fighting they like look back at the phone and the dude on the newscast is fighting with a military man and the camera gets knocked over which I guess startles the boy because he um, says, oh, holy fuck, cameras are expensive. So I get it. There's, there's he's like actually, a, he's, a, he's a photographer himself, a camera. You know, he's, he's like a amateur. video guy. He's like, oh, no. No. <laughs> um, at that point, when he, when he says something, he hears a bang on the door and the, the parents start yelling at them. And now they're trying to break down the door, eventually do break it down. Um, and... As the the door's getting bro- broken down, the boy grabs his bat, and then the story ends. There's part seven. Part eight, also pretty short. Um, I really like this scene, though. Just the way it's described, we're, we're in an empty bar, 
and there's a TV that's on and it has a, a newscast explaining that um, there's this worldwide epidemic. Everyone's gone crazy. There's no known source of this. There's no known cure. Um, just don't draw any attention to yourself. It's kind of like um, a lesser quiet place. <laughs> I was thinking like the TV, like the TV from uh, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it cuts out from that, and we get to our last part, part nine, where I correct me if I'm wrong. I think that there's a giant nuclear explosion over top of China, and I uh, think that China was yeah. just the first to fire right. the missiles. Here I come. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the yes. clarity guy. Yeah, China <laughs> fired a, bu- a bunch of missiles, and there's nuclear explosions everywhere. I appreciate the clarity. <laughs> yeah, so China China uh, sends out some nuclear blasts that are described as being able to be seen from the space station. Had anyone been li- left alive on board? Oh, God. Which uh, I guess means that it made its way to space. No and if you scream. If you want to read 90 more of those, the story has been expanded into a full-length novel called 99 Brief Scenes from the End of the World by the author T.W. Grimm, available for $2 on Kindle on Amazon. So That's a pretty good so, price for 99 stories. Usually yeah. you have to pay more for that for like 101 jokes. Yeah, it's a, Oh, it got, you can get it in paperback too. It's a 210-page paperback. That's not bad. Wow. It's a 6, six by 9 which I... I don't know. I think that might be big, a bigger book than the uh, the that's a my my book. Uh, out of print, limited availability. Yeah, yeah. I guess say, that's how big it is. I don't remember if it was the last time I was on the show or the time before that that we covered the woman holding the orange that that author turned into a book. I right. feel like this author deserves to have this novelized way more than that other author. Because <laughs> um, I actually like there's this way story. more to do with this one. I think. Yeah, and I feel like this author was actually talented. Like they, they were really good at describing what was happening, even if it was gross. Um, they had some good imagery and all that. And um, this is one that I'd actually might give a shot. But I have to come right out the gate with something here, please. Um, uh, in two of the early uh, opportunities that the author has to describe women in his stories. <laughs> Um, there is something to be said for, uh, imbuing your characters with realistic prejudices. Um, there is, it's another thing to, uh, explicitly as the narrator describe one of the characters in your story as whale-like, um, as well as, um, uh, when you see the very rich guy standing there looking at the waitress, the description that he uh, gives of the waitress, some, I don't know, some some might say that it's meant to be from the perspective of the character who's going crazy, but it doesn't read that way to me. Um, and I got big, big, big whiffs of all of that uh, male, male uh, writer uh, male author stuff that went around on the internet yeah, not absolutely. too long ago. Yeah. Um, I, I think that yeah. it, it's. It, I think that a generous. It would. It would be not uh, excessively generous to uh, assume that this is the sort of third-person omniscient narrator that is still filtered through a point-of-view character, a la a Song of Ice and Fire. 
um like there's a lot right. like uh, uh Tyrion's POV chapters are still from third person and you get into his thoughts but uh all of the prose is filtered through how Tyrion sees the world so i mm-hmm. think that it would be fair to assume that that is how this section of the story is going that said in maybe a song of a, in a, I, I, I remain unconvinced in in a well, song of ice and fire about half of the characters are point of view the point of view characters are women and have varying points of view about the world in which they live which does not value them as full citizens whereas this story does not give us that broad range of viewpoints nah. and so nope. is much less it's yeah it's, it's much it's, it's, it's much lacking less, some key yeah. narrative elements I, that would yeah. that would lead me to take on that kind of a uh-huh. feeling about it yeah. i am well, much less willing to forgive that sort of male gazy writing if you're not doing the work to make sure that um other viewpoints are represented in your story yeah Yeah. i feel like to to phil's point the entire section with shyla um does that no same thing but with race Uh, yeah Yeah. exactly which is yeah yeah, which is why it doesn't there's there's more points against it than than for it i think it's pretty obvious that this is these are just prejudices on the on the part of the author yeah and it's it, it reads less like um it's oh god it's so hard to parse these days but it reads less like hatefulness and more like just an author who's not particularly well read uh or like worldly but gosh like someone who's not well read in 2012 boy that person could either be well read in 2018 or a top poster on stormfront so who knows (laughs) yeah (laughs) well that's kind of the comparison i was gonna draw is like this like i would i don't want to dig myself a hole here but i was an ignorant kid in high school i grew up in iowa and i live here and i didn't know the nuances of uh right like culture and i could totally see myself writing something like this yeah that's I, um, a, that's an interesting thing we get into with a lot of discussions on this show because the basic assumption is that a creepypasta writer is probably young extremely online and could do some more <laughs> learning um but also we like do we do want to address the stories as works of literature and so it's it's a, <laughs> it's kind of a hard balance to find between like this author did a bad job with uh this aspect of the story and like kind of being as lenient as you would want to be with a young person but also the authors aren't listening to these stories so i fine <laughs> i'm fine saying to the audience hey a couple chunks of this story are uh extremely cringy to read yeah and who knows maybe this author looks back on this and says nah, i could have done that differently yeah. and i hope they do if they don't then yeah they're probably on breitbart looking at articles right now yeah it's all conjecture yeah unfortunately uh, um, it's just I got I just I I don't mean to be harpy, but I do want to go right. I, I do want to put a put a little period on this since I brought it up. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm all I'm nearly certain that there are people who write this way that spend their time reading Slate and uh, uh, you know the Washington Post as opposed to things like Breitbart or this or that. 
Uh, oh, yeah, you we probably got Jacob, um, Jacobin subscribers who are also yeah, uh, exactly. bad, at, bad uh, people about women. So you don't have to you, know. you don't have to look far to see all the drama that happens in like DSA spaces and things like that. People who purportedly well, that is, are that like, is absolutely yeah. a fair thing to bring up. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I just uh, speaking from my particular perspective i just wouldn't reading this i wouldn't look any further into this author's work um yes. and i wouldn't blame anybody who felt that way either <laughs> that um, is in general how i feel about these stories yeah, yeah. <laughs> um well, uh, it's some of it's some of them actually, have some some of them i've really sort of liked and i had meant to maybe look at more stuff that the person wrote whether or not i did uh i don't know that yeah. i've encountered that on this show i think all the ones i've covered have just been hot garbage mm, yeah for the most part <laughs> well that's good too that's nice that's good, fun. good <laughs> i fun did want to look up to make sure that this author is a man and we were correct yes but yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. like for example if you had quizzed me after reading baraska whether the story was written by a man or a woman i would have gotten it wrong because baraska was oh, written too. by baraska was written by a woman uh, mm. despite most, like, pretty much all of the horror being about, like, women's bodies yeah. being used as cattle. Uh, so it's, right. you know, it's, it's, it's I mean, it's hard little... to reverse engineer stuff, especially exactly. when it's, like, on the, you know, when, when, when it's on the kink side of things that, that it sounds like, wait, I didn't read that particular one, but yeah. Oh, no, it's, you know. it's about, like, uh, like, the horror of it is that there's a breeding program in this small town. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I I don't like that story. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, it's usually hailed as one of the better ones because it's very well written, but the subject matter is very um, uncomfortable. Yeah, I I would say odious, but I mean that's kind of the point of horror, so you know, take it or leave it as you will. Um, yeah, I mean, similar with this story where it's like. The title had me hopeful. Nine brief scenes from the end of the world. This is going to be like sweet and poignant, and the horror mm -hmm. will be from the haunting uh, knowledge that the world is about to end. But no, it's just kind of like a it's it's like the animatrix for but for twenty eight days later. Yes, I was trying to think of something to describe <laughs> yeah. it like that because I I like this kind of storytelling where it's the one format's story good. Yeah, nine parts. Yeah. But um, it's, uh, yeah, it's just kind of like, uh, I've seen the, like, end of the world scenario where people just, yeah. uh, tear each other apart and it's, it's dull. Yeah, that was my other caveat is that the, the subject material is very well-worn and, um, I, I, if I want to see a good version of it, then I will go to, like, 28 Days Later or something like that. I don't need another generic story like this. I, I do like aliens. That third sequel. I, I I like that aliens are. Oh yeah, uh, I like stories like where man-made yeah. virus or something. I do kind of like stories where it's like we sent out the signal and the aliens heard mm -hmm. it and they're like, oh, aim aim the gun there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah that uh, that uh, if <laughs> it I when when did Dead Space come out? Was that around 2012? Because oh. I hmm. like to. Well, um, yeah, I'm Googling it right <laughs> now. Uh, Dead Space came out in 2008, so uh, Dead Space 2 was probably out by 2012, um, and I think that, like, I like to think about the, um, yeah, 20, January 5th, 
January 25th, 2011, Dead Space 2. I like to think about the inspiration behind stories. Like, uh, one of the first ones we ever covered was very obviously uh, The Weeping Angels from Doctor Who and was written like a yeah. month after that episode aired. And this one uh, did not occur to me. That's probably Dead Space, right? Mm-hmm. It's about like an alien space virus that drives people insane. That's yeah. what happens in Dead Space. <laughs> Well, like, even it, people get, like, self-mutilated in this story, too. It, I didn't really yep. go into that, but, like, people take out their eyes and stuff, and um, I can certainly see the connections. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the lady cutting her own fingers off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you lose against the final boss of Dead Space 2, you shoot yourself in the face with a big, like, spike gun. It's pretty gruesome. Yeah. I don't like uh, gruesome death scenes in video games. Ever since Resident Evil 4 started that trend of, like, the cutscene death. Uh, and there's just, like, oh, a, yeah. a dozen different ways to, like, one-hit die in that game. And the first time it happened to me, I did not know that could happen. And I had avoided the first chainsaw guy that you are, like, you get a little, like, five-second cutscene of, like, seeing a guy start up a chainsaw, uh, but yeah, I skipped that, I skipped that, because, yeah, my friend was uh, playing with me, and he was like, no, 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 don't go in there, or you're gonna trigger a really hard enemy, so I didn't. Then, like, an, an hour or whatever later, right after you meet the giant, the giant mayor of the town, uh, you walk out the door, <laughs> and there is, like... Very small in the distance, you hear just like, oh "Oh, no, a chainsaw. And the guy runs up to me and I'm shooting him. I'm like, okay, cool. And then he swings and just removes your head. Leon Kennedy's head. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even get the like blocking it with the hands cutscene. I just got the like, whoop, you're dead. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, yeah. Fall off. I remember being really, really unsettled by (laughs) seeing that the first time, too. Yeah. I I played that game for the first time in the room with a fellow guest. Judd Matarang when we were in high school, and yeah, I remember <laughs> being really, really like, oh, whoa, <laughs> yeah, my uh, little fourteen-year-old virgin eyes. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that, what, what, how did we get there from this? Dead face. <laughs> oh, right, that's fa- yeah. This story seems, uh, I, I think that, um. Maybe that type of horror. Uh, the, I think the comic book Crossed was also first coming out around this time, which is pretty much about a zombie apocalypse, except the they all act like this. Like, they're still sentient, but they hate oh. and want to kill, and they have, like, crosses burned into their face. Oh. Oogity boogity. <laughs> Yeah. There's better versions of this story that people should seek out. That's what I'm hearing. That's how a lot of creepypastas are, really. Or just like That's a good point. It's this is this is presented in a unique way, and I want to give credit where credit is due. I do yeah. I enjoy the presentation and I think that the story is told um in a compelling and visual way. It's just the problems with how people unlike the author are described are kind of ooky and just the it's maybe in 2012 it seemed new in 2018 i'm kind of tired of the just the end of the world scenario where we all just kill each other for no reason um spookiest parts phil do you have a spookiest part of the story Uh, i think uh just a piece of horror that worked for you i guess if there is one um, well, uh, I mean, somebody in the Reddit thread said that that fetus part was the spookiest thing to them. 
Um, I the the spookiest. The, I think for me, one the the two spookiest parts were the car scene where he's driving past and the woman is chopping her own fingers off. Um, yeah. and the guy, the spookiest part maybe being that the guy tries to convince himself that he didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and felt uh, real. oh yeah, and and along the same lines, the the tweens, the the, the tween siblings, uh, preparing to take up arms against their own like suddenly psychotic parents. Yeah, um, I thought that was I rather spooky as well. Yeah, I think you've pinpointed the two strongest sections of the the piece overall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are certainly things I didn't like about the attic scene. Um, some of the, I mean, the dialogue that is there is pretty bad. Um, yeah, it's yeah, very, I, very, very violent. Uh, you yeah. know, sexually adjacent. Um, yeah, the parents it's, speaking that way about their kids. Yeah, that d- definitely really, it's really both sort uncomfortable of and poorly written. But I do like the <laughs> the scene. Um, I, I just like two kids trapped in an attic, scared for their lives. Just that in a vacuum kind of worked for me. So I think yeah. I agree with you on that. Yeah, I think it would be more effective horror if it was from the perspective of the kids more. Uh, like, oh, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't think both teens sobbed quietly is a very appropriate reaction to having um, your enraged father, who you know is uh, the victim of some kind of external epidemic, telling you that, like he wants to do sexual violence to you. I don't think yeah. sobbed quietly really encompasses how that would feel to these characters. And yeah. the horror the horror of something like that doesn't come from the the dad screaming F-words. The horror comes from mm-hmm. how it makes the unaffected people feel. How yeah. it makes the targets of the violence feel. That's how good horror is structured. Yeah. Like, every scene in the movie Is that what they say? Sobs quietly? Yeah, I guess. Does, yeah. Maybe yeah, I was both teens, both creating teens a more visceral quietly. image in my head. Yeah, it's the, their <laughs> father's bellow shook the house. Both teens sobbed quietly. Yeah. It's like, I, I want to feel more what they're feeling. You get every, every drop of sweat and every labored uh, step through the, the derelict spaceship Nostromo as... As as Ellen Ripley is fighting for her life against some unseen murderous creature. Yeah, and, and that, she's very obviously what, trying to like spy in every single corner. She's like breathless uh-huh. the whole time. Yeah, that that the that obsessive attention to detail is what makes Alien effective horror. And if you are doing any kind of hiding uh, hide and seek type of horror, it needs to be drawn out like extremely detailed and you need to understand how the the hider and not the seeker is feeling and yeah, i i yeah. think that it, that could be more effective that way anyway nick what's your spookiest part uh well i think i i agree with um with phil that it, just that uh, the only the whole story isn't scary to me um this sort of torture porn type of thing isn't my my cup of tea yeah um and it's it like uh as a random example i just watched um man raw that oh French yeah movie. i wanted um, to see that but it seems too gross is it gross is it yucky it's, it's incredibly gross and um it's not scary to me it just left my stomach upset which 
maybe oh, that's yeah. the point of the movie, but I was promised it was going to be scary. Um, it just yeah. doesn't. I, I ended like up it. I ended up skipping Jigsaw despite having Movie Pass at the time. Um, I wanted to see it because the trailers made it look good, but the like it had low enough reviews on Rotten Tomatoes that I was just yeah. like, eh, it's not worth it. But now I don't know if I can trust Rotten Tomatoes because I saw Truth or Dare and that had a fifteen on Rotten Tomatoes and it's actually pretty good. Is <laughs> like it? it's it's a the worst offense to me that a movie can commit is being either boring or nonsensical and this one yeah. is both exciting like it's an hour and a half that goes by and it, it moves it starts and it keeps going and it doesn't yeah. slow down and that is nice and everything makes sense and all of the actors give well most of the actors give compelling performances and you sort of care about the characters and mm -hmm. it's not perfect but 15 percent seems overly cruel as if the reviewers were just like no this is a horror movie for teenagers i'm giving it a bad <laughs> review oh uh, yeah yeah i i have like degrees of um of ratings on rotten tomatoes so like if a horror movie gets like a 50 that's pretty good for a horror movie or if a yeah, comedy exactly. gets like a 60 that's pretty good for a comedy movie on rotten tomatoes yeah that's why i was thinking this was going to be bad but a friend invited me and i'm really glad i went uh like i went to go see mother which was my favorite movie of 2017 that had a 53 percent on rotten tomatoes oh, that boy. stars academy award-winning actress jennifer lawrence and acclaimed filmmaker darren aronofsky is, yeah. is the director of it is javier bardem also an academy award winner seems likely i don't know I for know, sure yeah. though um uh, but yeah no like country for old men maybe i don't want to yeah, make stuff up yeah. Uh but like the the two lead actors and the director are incredible. Why does this have such a low rating? So I saw it mm -hmm. and I mean I guess I understand why it had a low rating, but it's incredible. So yeah. uh yeah, if it if it's got like people I want to see in it or if I'm interested in it generally, I'll go see it regardless of Rotten Tomatoes score. Yeah. But uh yeah, I, I need to start trusting that less and less. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I liked Avengers Infinity War, but I don't think that it deserves uh, like a 90% over Mother's 50-whatever percent. That seems mad, like madness to me, because mm -hmm. Mother is like an eternal work of art, and Avengers Infinity War, while being a very compelling, expertly made film, is, I don't know... It's it's a, it's a it's a lot. <laughs> it's just a lot. It's very hard to discuss because it is a lot, and I don't it's want to it, de I, I don't want to devalue it, pop art. It's a cultural, but, you know. It's like kind of like a widespread cultural moment, right? Where yeah. like exactly. all these movies have been culminating up to it, and if you haven't seen them, you're not you might not get it, and oh, so not. and so everybody's going wild about it, you know, because everybody's seen all the movies. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, actually, I am kind of surprised Avengers Infinity War had such a high Rotten Tomatoes score because it seems like the kind of movies critics specifically would hate because yeah, it's well, like, because it's so inaccessible, like at a bare minimum for everything to make sense, you have to have seen Thor Ragnarok, uh, Civ uh, Captain America Civil War, and Avengers Age of Ultron, and mm -hmm. then like... In addition to that, you should probably see Black Panther, or you're not going to know who any of those people are. Winter Soldier would be another good bet, so you can understand Cap's journey. And maybe a couple Iron Man movies and Spider-Man Homecoming would be helpful. I think the only inessential movie to the whole thing is, like, uh, Ant-Man. 
because he's not in it but like other than that <laughs> you could like there's stuff that that pays off moments from like every movie in the franchise so it's really right. interesting in that way but this isn't the avengers infinity war podcast i have to go <laughs> i was literally just part. gonna say yeah, my, anyway, my, my point to talking about Infinity Wars is that my scariest moment are the parts where we explore the characters, which doesn't happen a lot, but yeah. the parts mm-hmm. where it does happen is the scariest parts. Yeah, I um, I I think for me, bes- well, obviously the spookiest part to me is the woman cutting off her finger with scissors, because I can see that shot in a movie, and it's like the kind where I would like put my hands up in front of my face if I saw the movie, and be like, oh, and Ooh, but it would yeah. pass by in mm-hmm. like a half a second. Mm-hmm. You so know, like, I, it would just be like an instant of grossness. In the t- Twice in the past week, I've watched uh, Shin Gojira from 2016. I need to watch ja- that. The oh, Japanese that one. rules. Yeah, it really does, and it seems like like uh it, it it's i don't know it, it feels like that's something that's really like sort of unsettling and makes my heart beat fast the whole way through and that scene felt like it would it went right alongside something like that um you're that's interesting like watching that like a, a faceless creature like the this person just sort of commit an atrocity yeah. you know what i mean yeah um yeah, uh, that was a uh, that was the first Godzilla movie I had seen besides the uh, bad American 1998 one. I almost <laughs> just said American one, but Matthew there is Broderick there, and Hank Azaria. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's there's two American ones now. I forgot. There's the Brian Cranston one that came out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Brian Brian Cranston is barely in it. It's the Aaron Johnson. It's oh. an Aaron Johnson vehicle. I, 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 I never saw it. So yeah, me neither. Uh, but yeah, I really liked uh, I really liked Shin Godzilla. Um, it's and beautiful. It's I mean I I'll rec- I think that we have a lot of anime fans in the audience. It's directed by the guy who made Evangelion and has a bunch of Evangelion music in it. So like, yeah, and, if you uh, like Evangelion, go watch it. Thankfully, it has no uh, fan service shots of characters who's supposed to be fourteen either. So oh, thanks, boy. Hideaki. <sighs> For that anime one. fan sure, service well. boy uh, ages well I mean I just started watching Kill La Kill which is fan service the anime oh no the, uh, and the, the, the new Evangelion movies contain extremely similar shots as well oh cool great uh, I have gotten maybe four episodes into Evangelion but uh, it commits that most mortal of sins to me of being kind of boring uh, so yeah, I, I'm yeah. having trouble getting through it even though I really want to because the thing I like the most is when people climb in giant robots and start crying uh which is oh why i God. extremely enjoyed pacific rim <laughs> that music is <laughs> from evangelion yeah I was, I was yeah you're right i didn't put that together until i just thought about it since you said it <laughs> yeah uh oh i i just watched blade of the immortal if you have hulu and you like uh watching a dude just cut people up with a sword man that movie kicks ass it's like two and a half hours long and it is so good it's like it's takashi miike's 100th film whoa uh, <laughs> yeah, he's made a hundred movies, How? and I think he started in like 1991. So he's he's made just like two or three a year every year. He's no already done made this since like the 20s. Yeah, that one came out last year, and he's made two movies since then. Wow! Oh my god! Yeah. They- Oh, whatever. Yeah, it's weird. I don't think I. I don't know if I've seen any of his other movies. He also directed the Ace Attorney movie. Um, yes. Oh huh. God, you're right. He did, and that yep. movie was really good. Uh-huh. Um, oh, he yeah. just directed a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure movie that came out 
uh, I think after Blade of the Immortal. Um, oh, I was trying to do my spookiest part. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Animepodcast.com. Yeah, we keep doing it. Uh, I like the um, the description of the them receiving the alien signal. It's like, it's got that sort of ominous, like, oh, now we know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it... it it's this it leaves this question hanging over the rest of the story of like why would they send this signal how did they know it would do that that sort of thing which i think makes for really interesting horror um where a thing happens and nobody ever really finds out why oh yeah it's like the the rule of horror movies like my favorite movie horror sorry my favorite horror movies are the ones where they don't show you anything like ever like yep. the first parts of, as we've talked about before, the alien movies and um, even the original Blair Witch, like they don't show you anything and that's way more effective. Yeah. Once you start um, explaining things, it turns into crap. Yeah, sometimes. I think that you can explore the origins of something spooky, but it's so hard to do that it's usually just like not worth it. Yeah. Um. Like, I think it's essential to a story like The Ring that you explore where... Um, well, yeah, that's part of the plot. <laughs> Sadako slash Samara comes from. Um, uh, is that Sadako in... Sadako is the one in The Ring, right? That's not The Grudge? Yes, Sadako's yeah. The Ring, Kayako's The Grudge. Um, yeah, it's like, you need to know... It's really weird that when they made her... Uh, a little white girl. They made her name Samara, which also could be a Japanese name. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> that was an interesting... Anyway, this isn't a podcast about any <laughs> any of the things we keep talking about. Nick, tell us <laughs> where we can find uh, more of your opinions uh, online. Yeah, you can find my opinions. I have two podcasts. One's called Stranger Still. We do like weird science and uh, conspiracy theories debunking and um, we debunk stuff like crystal healing and hopefully one day Reiki. Uh, and then on my other one, I watch cartoons with my dad and they're all Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Oh, how and far are you? I, we, I I don't remember where you were last time you were on. Yeah, I don't remember where I was last time either. We're 39 episodes in. I feel like I was just starting out uh, last time I was on. and uh, You might have been up to Scooby-Doo by then. No, we just did Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo was like, uh, less than two months ago. Really? Like yeah. Scooby-Doo, where are you? 1969? Yep. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That was nine years into the Hanna-Barbera legacy. And, interesting. Uh, yeah. I, we did that right after my dad had knee surgery. So that that's an interesting oh, okay. episode. Um, <laughs> but it's also my favorite cartoon of all time. So oh, wow. it's also a really good episode. Um, but yeah, we're, we're making our way. We're, we're trudging through some garbage right now. So if you want to hear us dunk on some bad cartoons... Oh god, you you gotta be into all the Scooby-Doo ripoffs now, like Funky Phantom and Jabberjaws, right? Yep, Funky Phantom's (laughs) next week, and uh, just to to entice our listeners, I gave it a 1.5 out of 10. (laughs) Yeah, Funky Phantom is garbage. It's awful. All that stuff was on Cartoon Network when I was a kid. Is Um, that the name of a cartoon? Like a a series of cartoons? (laughs) 
My it, yeah, it's Scooby Doo, but instead of a talking dog, they have a, a, an, a fet, an a fet ghost. I think he. I think it might be actually Paul Lind. No, uh, it's not. It's it's um, not. It's just a Paul Lind voice alike. It uh, it's it's basically Snagglepuss. It's not Paul Lind. It's more Snagglepuss. Oh, okay. It's like oh, exactly right. Snagglepuss. It is. It's Dawes Butler. <laughs> yes, it is. God, uh, who voiced Snagglepuss? Okay, yes. um, and it's bad. <laughs> uh yeah that's a, a really dumb bad one. Oh, they're even in a dune buggy like the yeah, other the loony Sco- like like speed buggy which you're probably about to get to also yeah which i think that one's Scooby a little Doo. bit better if my memory serves me scooby-doo right? was yeah. the first of these right uh technically no <sighs> sort of oh, um, josie and the pussycats oh. yeah no but they, no, they, don't, they don't have like a talking thing that's not they didn't solve to mysteries um, it's hard Josie to and say. the Pussycats predate Scooby Doo in the comics. I don't know if their cartoon does, but I uh, I don't I don't think right. that that was a spooky show at all. No, but they were going around solving mysteries. Um, My favorite one is the talking buggy. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, speed, speed buggy. buggy is we'll great. Get there. In a couple weeks, actually. <laughs> his his uh, vocal tick, because uh, they all have one. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo goes, has the R's at the beginning of words. Speed Buggy constantly goes <laughs> between his words because <laughs> yeah. he's, got, he's got a motor. <laughs> yeah. He's a real motor mouth. <laughs> yeah. It's so I'm excited stupid. for it. I'm so uh, excited. As man. long as it's better than Funky Phantom, I don't care. And the, the, that the show is awful. The sharks yeah. thing is just that he sounds like Rodney Dangerfield or something. No, Curly. Oh, no, curly yeah, from the Curly, three right? Stages. Yeah, three Stages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, There's yeah. But I just I, we gotta shove this in here before we move on to where you can find Phil. But yeah, there's please. a brilliant episode of Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated, which mm. is like the the version of Scooby Doo that followed one story for yeah two it has seasons. like continuity right yeah yeah, yeah there, it's pretty there's, good there's an episode called like Mystery Team State Finals or something like that where Scooby has a, a fever dream and all yeah. of all of those guys show up the Funky Phantom shows up um, uh, Speed Buggy shows up Jabberjaw shows up and Captain Caveman yeah. show up and wow. they have to save the gang because they've all been kidnapped and it's like such a good episode. Yeah, I recommend I, uh, I've been meaning to watch that show. And you can yeah, hear opinions like that and others at my Twitter, which is <laughs> at uh, Kid Corso. Uh, you can find me in all the usual places that you can always find me, like, for example, J3FK on Twitter, JeffJK on Snapchat and Instagram, or Patreon.com slash JeffJK. If you give me just $1 per month, and I have not missed a month yet, you get two little audio bonus treats, which... Uh, a lot of them are me reading stories we've covered on the show. Some of them are some extra bits from seeing Reddit, like I did a little 10 to 15 minute episode where we talked about Coco before we started an episode, and we just (laughs) misremembered a lot of basic facts about the movie, uh, which was pretty entertaining. Um, I did a couple where we talk about uh, our casting poll. Every week we do a little, like, fantasy casting on our Twitter. and so we we talk about those in some episodes. Uh, I like to do readings of SCPs because those are a Creative Commons license, so I don't have to worry if I'm allowed to be doing it. Um, so also follow this show on Twitter at creepypodsta. Um, go on iTunes or Google Play or whatever and leave us a five star review. 
don't leave us less. That's not fun. Uh, and if you could, like, write a review also in addition to leaving the stars, that would be great. You could just, like, put a couple thumbs up emojis in that review box, and that would be good. Or if you (laughs) want to be verbose about your feelings about the show, that would be fine also. Uh, you can join Creepy Podsta fan group on Facebook to talk about the show with other people, or sometimes people post a thread that's like, hey, I just saw this scary movie, and they'll want to talk about it. Uh, I should have done that for Truth or Dare, because I liked that movie, but I don't think anybody has seen it except me and past guest uh, Tara, um, <laughs> the friend who made me go see it. Uh <laughs> The, we're the only people on Earth who've seen Truth or Dare. Um, but yeah, go on there. That's also the best place to suggest stories, because I have a pinned thread with people's suggestions in them, and I'll go through the thread and add them to my suggestion sheet and then click like on the comments so I can keep track of who, who I've added. Uh, sometimes people email them or uh, Twitter DM them to me, and I forget. Um, but that is the best place, is the Facebook group. That's, um, I think that's all we have to say here on this episode of the show. Um, nine missile silos in China spat nuclear death, the resulting mushroom clouds and associated devastation could have been seen at all its awful detail from the space station had there been anyone left alive on board. Thank you.